Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. What's up, Encounter Church? How are you guys feeling today? All right. What a lively worship we had this morning. Amen. I love when we get to really together exalt the name of Jesus because he is all, the reason why we're even here. You know, sometimes we could come with different reasons, like we got to check off the religious checkbox of going to church on Sunday and everything else is fine, or I got to see my friends. But if you really realize that the whole purpose of why we come together is to glorify the king of all kings, that's Jesus, that is worth it. Amen. So again, welcome. My name is RJ, and uh, we're already two months in to the year. Isn't that that crazy? Like we're pretty much almost done with February, which means two months are in, uh, but also we're all two months into Christology. Who has been loving Christology thus far? Um, I don't know about you, but I'm just super pumped to just be a lot more intentional to seek the Lord and to find him. Um, Let's go through our year scripture, which is, uh, we'll put it on the screen. Let's say it all together. I am, yeah, the beginning and the end, Revelation 1a. And in Espanol, yo soy el principio y el fin, Apocalipsis. Apocalypses. All right. And this year we are finding Jesus from cover to cover. And in Espanol, descubriendo a Jesucristo de principio a fin. Aleluya, adios. You know, Gloria a Dios. Fuego, Jesús. <laughs> and I encourage you. To not get callous with these words, church. Do not get callous. Do not be like, okay, we're finding Jesus from cover to cover. I know Alpha and the Omega, Apocalypses, Apocalypses, Apocalypses. You know, don't get too callous with the words, but, but let it encourage you to, to seek and to search and to be hungry for God, to, to pursue Jesus in your day-to-day life. Don't just rely on Sunday, but seek him every other day. Okay, I think it's super important that we are seeking the Lord. And this word is all, I just want to jump right into it because we have a lot to talk about, a lot to dissect. And I have a lot of scripture, so we're going to go through a five-course meal of the word today. Okay, is that okay? So this word is all about activating us to reach the lost. Okay, so if we could just turn our attention away from our issues and what, God, what we need from God, but start to hear it in a sense of we need to focus on the lost today. And, and today's message is called Found in the Lost, and we're going to understand why that is, but the word is about activating us to reach the lost. So prepare our hearts and our perspective, and don't worry, God will meet you where you're at, because in Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek first the kingdom of God, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Do not worry that if you turn your attention to the lost for a moment, to to, to take our eyes off of ourselves for a moment, don't worry. God is not going to forget what you are dealing with. God is not going to ignore that, hey, you have needs too, and I'm here to fulfill that. But if you seek me first, I'm going to fulfill everything that you need. So 
Let's jump right into it. Romans 13, 11. Um, if you are part of Wake, you know this scripture um, a lot because we say this a lot. But I'm going to talk to you guys. Romans 13, 11, two versions we're going to read it through. But we'll, let's start with NLT. And it says, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And then the amplified version Do this knowing that this is a critical time. It is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep of spiritual complacency. For our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed in Christ. And I know there are a lot of heavy, strong, like very like like meaty words in in this scripture. I think of urgent, I think of wake up, I think of complacency. And sometimes when when something is urgent, let's just talk about these words, it takes priority. And sometimes we think everything of our priority is urgent, right? Sometimes we think our needs are the most urgent thing. But when we, when we, basically, if something is urgent, it needs focus. You need to focus on that. And to recognize that something is urgent, you need to be aware of what's happening in the situation. For example, let's just say somebody got shot in the arm and they're, I know, it's like straight to it, right? Someone's arm is like bleeding, gushing, or their leg is broken. And you have no idea, like your back is turned and you're just doing your own thing. You don't know that this person has an issue with their arm or with their leg, right? Until you turn around and you realize what's happening in the situation. Oh my gosh, this person needs um, immediate attention. They need urgent care. So talking about urgent care, who's ever been to urgent care before? Not fun, very chaotic, but when you go to urgent care, it means these people have, need immediate attention. They need help right at the moment. It's not like, I'll see you in 24 hours. It's more like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my arm. Like, you need immediate attention. So that's what I think of when I hear the word urgent in this scripture. And then let's talk about wake up, because if you, if you really hear the words wake up, I do hear God saying that this is more of an attention grabber. This is more of a command as opposed to wake up, little princess, little prince, wake up. It's more like wake up. It's like, hello, because what's happening? If you wake up, it means you're sleeping. And sleeping represents the spiritual complacency. Um, According to the scripture, the spiritual complacency. And let's talk about complacent. Complacent means marked by self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness to actual dangers and deficiencies. That's what it says in the dictionary, okay, just so you know. Like, I looked it up. I'm not making this stuff up. Like, that, and it's like when you have that attitude of so many things are happening or like, it's like things don't matter. It's okay. Oh, I'm late to work. Ah, Oh, well, and I know people were relying on me. Eh, it's okay. It is what it is. You know, that kind of attitude of like, whatever, that's complacency. It's like, it doesn't matter like what is happening around us, even the dangers or the deficiencies. But like, I've realized when we have that attitude, when we become spiritual complacent, like I realized that being that way is when we focus on ourselves too much. We, become, we can become spiritually complacent when we focus on ourselves. And I, like, this is like something where I've realized 
saying stuff like, I, and, and it's not bad, just so you know, like when you ask for, for more of the Lord, but when it's always about, I need more of God, I need this, I need help, I need him to talk to me and to fix me, nothing else and no one else in my life matters, only my ministry, my family, my kids, my purpose, my desires, that's all that matters and I need more of God because of that. When we get in that bubble, that becomes, we become spiritually complacent because we start to like disregard everything that is happening around us and all we think about is us. And I've been victim to that. I'm sure all of us, don't raise your hand, but we could all raise our hand to be at the same time, you know, but we have all been in that situation where it's, we always think we have it worse. We always think that, God, you need to do everything and anything to make me priority. But when we do that, spiritual complacency, could that could cause us to start to lose the focus of what God is really doing in our lives. So to, to paint a picture, to make it a little more, um, you know, for you guys to see what I'm talking about, to wake up spiritually, just imagine this, you're in a house, you're asleep, and for some reason you decide to invite everybody over for a sleepover. And so let's just say everybody's in your house. You're at your house, your mom, your dad, your kids, your friends, your work, your coworkers, your, your, your school, whoever. Think of everybody, everyone's in the house, right? And, and you're sleeping and... The house is on fire, okay? This is the picture of what I see. Just say that, bless you. God bless you, Lord. That scared me. <laughs> He's being touched by the Lord. Okay, so you are in, like, let's say you're in the house. Everyone's sleeping. The house is on fire, okay? And then an awakening is recognizing that there is a fire happening now. It's not that you're looking at the news and you see a fire happening in California or in Australia or something all over the world, but not there. To have an awakening, realize that there's a fire happening right here, right now, where I'm at. And if I don't get out of that house, I'm gonna burn, I'm gonna die, you know? But it's one thing that you just get up and leave the house. It's another thing where you realize, oh my, oh my I had a sleepover and everybody is here sleeping. And if I'm the only one that leaves, everybody else is gonna die, so what do I have to do? I have to wake them up. I have to wake them up and have them realize the house is on fire, you know, it is burning down and we have to run and we have to get out. And so nobody, that's the picture that I get when I read this scripture, okay? Um, nobody likes to be woken up abruptly. I don't know about you, but if that's a hobby of yours to be like, I love when you, you know, wake me up and interrupt my beauty sleep. It's like, you're lying, you know, like nobody likes that. Nobody likes to do that. Honestly, it is painful, it is uncomfortable, it is slightly annoying, and you know, all the parents could say amen when the kids wake you up in the middle of the night, but we love them so dearly. But to, to, for me, to see revival, the church needs to wake up. And we need to face the things that are painful and uncomfortable and ugly in our hearts. We need to do the uncomfortable things, the undesired of the flesh things, in our life, you know, we need an awakening in our hearts because time is running out. That's what it says in the Bible, that time is running out. We need to be aware of the urgency of the kingdom of God. Church, we need to wake up and see the urgency. Your life is not just your life. It is not your world, but it is his world. It is his heart.
that we need to focus on. Sometimes we just think it's all about us and our world and what we can do. But if we wake up and get out of spiritual complacency, we could really see God move in a powerful way in this generation. And this word has been cultivating in, in my heart. Again, I just want to let you know, we have a lot of scripture that we're going to go through. So I'm just going to jet on through, but just follow me on this. But the word that I'm going to share with you today has been cultivating in my heart since last September. And I really wanted to, to like, walk it out and exercise it in my life before even talking anything about it with with anyone or even preaching about it um so I was back in September I was at a place in my life where I really was desperate and needing direction you know Beck and I were really feeling like we need the Lord to just intervene and to show us what we need to do we were desperate I was exhausted I was confused on what to do for the Lord and why I was doing what I was doing and I like I started to feel calloused and um, complacent in my walk with the Lord and in my life. And I was telling God that I need more. I need more clarity. I need help. I need a fresh encounter with you. Have you ever said that when you're desperate? You're just like, I need more of you, God. I need an encounter with you. I need a miraculous touch from you. And then God really revealed to me everything that I'm talking to you about through the scripture in Matthew 25. So let's turn to Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. It says, but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then, will sit, uh, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by the father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did you ever see, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it, did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Verse 41, then the king will turn to the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you did not feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, we, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So after hearing this God through the scripture back in September, <clears throat> I told God that I really want to live my life like the righteous ones in the scripture did. They were living in the moment. They were living and realizing what was happening around them and not just thinking about themselves, okay? And I'm gonna get into that right now, but um, I really wanted to see what God was doing with the people around me in my life. And I wanted to see the urgency of the kingdom of God. So that was just asking God, let me do what they did. Let me live in this moment and 
<laughs> I'll tell you, you got to be careful what you ask for because God will take you up on that offer and he will be like, all right, you really say that? I'm going to test you and see if you really mean it and are you going to do it when the time comes? So just a little bit of background. We were actually at a conference in September uh, in Nashville. And so Becca and I were just really seeking the Lord. And when we were there at the conference, we were staying with Becca's sister um, in Nashville and the conference ended Saturday night, and we were planning to leave Sunday morning, early morning, 5 a.m., just to get here, because we love you guys. We love Encounter Church. Uh, but anyway, so we really wanted to be here at 5 a.m. Uh, we leave Nashville 5 a.m. Uh, to make it home. So that was the plan, but in the middle of the night, we actually woke up. Um, it, it was like an interesting night. It was 2 a.m. We woke up in the middle of the night, because you, you, you ever, like, you know there's things happen, happening outside and you hear, but they're not like close to you, but you hear something in the distance. You're like, it's getting your attention. I started hearing kind of like some chaos outside and some noises outside, people talking. So I look out the window and I just see people kind of like scattering all over the place um, uh, at, in the middle of the night. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? You know, when you wake up, you're just kind of like delusional. You're like, Duh, like, I have no idea what's happening in life. I look to the side and I just see this, glare, this orange-like glow around us. And in my head, I just realized, oh my gosh, this apartment is on fire. The whole building was on fire, okay? I'm not, like, 12 units were on fire, and we were in one of those. And so we're just like, we got to get out of here. So we didn't grab our shoes or nothing. We ran out of that place. You know, we were like, bye. You know, no, we, no, but in all seriousness, we didn't grab anything. We did grab our shoes, you know. Um, but we, we didn't, we, we left our car keys. We left our stuff. But people were running out. And as I was running out, I just looked behind me. And there's just, the, I don't know if you've ever seen a building on fire, like black smoke engulfed. That just like, it is the scariest thing ever. And I just see people running out of their units in like the, the smoke engulfed all over that place. And I'm just like, what in the world is going on? And so we're just, it was a long night, let's just say. It was a long night. We didn't get any sleep. We didn't leave at 5 a.m., just in case you were wondering. We did not get to leave. Um, but we were all, it, it was just a long night. We were tired. We were all waiting in the office. And all I wanted to do was figure out what, how are we going to get our stuff? Where are we going to stay? How much money am I going to have to spend? What about insurance? I have to call insurance. I have to do all these things. And I was just kind of like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's so many people. There, like, just imagine 12 units with multiple people in each unit. Thank God nobody lost their lives, just so you know. But so many people lost um, everything in their apartments. They lost all the valuables. They lost pets. They lost everything. It is like the, it, and I felt so like bad. Like we didn't lose as much as many people. And, but when we went in the office, we were just waiting and, you know, asking God, like, what are we gonna do? And I was praying and asking God, just show us, help us intervene, do something. But God, I really felt when I was asking that, I felt God remind me of Matthew 25. And he's like, hey, you want to live in the moment? This is the time to do it. You want to live it out? Here you go. And then in my spirit, I was just like, okay, where naturally we could be like, we got to take care of ourselves, We got to take care of my family, all that stuff. Um, and... I realized, okay, if you want me to live in the moment, I have to be aware of who's around me. 
Like, what is happening in my life right now? And I saw this couple on the side, and they just looked so distraught. They looked so broken. They looked so hurt. They were, one of their units was one of the first ones that caught fire um, because they were right below the one that caught fire. And so they lost everything right away. They lost their pets. They lost their values. And there was this this young couple that they just looked, you could look at their face, and they they lost hope. They lost everything. They don't know what to do. They're freaking out. So I felt my spirit that, okay, I guess I'm just going to go over there. And, you know, I, I feel like I didn't do much, but I know that, the, that God used me to plant something. But I sat with them, and I just talked with them, and I just let go of everything that's happening in my life. And I'm just like, like I asked them their names. I told them my name. I, I asked them, like, what happened. They told me they lost all their pets. They lost all their values and all this stuff. And, and they were just crying. And I felt like the only thing I could do is just pray, pray for peace. And as I prayed for peace in that moment, I felt the peace of God in my life. I encountered the peace of God in a way that was so unique that it wasn't what I was the one seeking for, for myself, but I went to where God wanted to pour his peace out. And so when I did that, I realized, my gosh, This is what you mean in Matthew 25. When you have invited a stranger into my home, when I fed the hungry, when I fed the thirsty, and it's not just the literal sense. Yes, feed the hungry, help the thirsty, you know, be hospitable to the stranger. But also I think in the spirit, people are hungry, people are thirsty, people are lost, people are strangers, and how are we going to minister to them in that situation? And... In Matthew 25, the righteous ones noticed those around them and ministered to them. That's what it means, you guys. Like when he says, you fed me, when you fed the, the least of these, you were feeding me. And, and, and I, I, that's you ministering to them. And here's the thing. We, like it clicked to me when, when I realized like I got to take this more seriously because I'm going to be judged on the basis of what I do with the people around me. You know, because he turned to the left and said, you didn't do that. You know, I'm like, they were being judged according to what they were doing with the people that God has placed in their life. We are not responsible for changing people. I, oh my gosh, like this is a hobby of Christians. Like I have to tell them to stop sinning. They have to, I have to make sure that they are not sinners anymore. That is not your job. Your job is to transfer, to, to minister to them and to engage the gospel to them. I don't know where in the Bible says that you are the one that changes hearts. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Sorry if I'm hurting people's feelings, but it's okay. We are held accountable for people right in front of us. And if we start seeing that, that the people in front of us are not just side characters. They're not just bodies that help me take a step closer to the rest of my day. They are souls that God wants us to be aware of. As Christians, we seek more of God and want to encounter him, thinking it only happens when someone prays for you and when you're in the four walls of the building. But you know what? When you minister to those who need it, you get to encounter Jesus in such a fresh and unique way. And I... This is what cultivates the ground of people's hearts to be ready to receive the gospel. 
doing this invites the presence of God, which is the only thing that melts the hardest of hearts. I don't know anything else that could really change someone's heart except the presence of God. Please, if I'm missing out, tell me, you know, because maybe something's wrong, but I know the presence of God is the one that melts hearts that are the furthest away from him. We're gonna go through another scripture because I feel like the best way to learn an example of how walking this out is the perfect Jesus Christ. You know, he's done so many instances in the Bible, so many parables of him realizing the urgency of those around him, the souls that are placed around him. And we're gonna go to Luke 8, verse 40. And this is the story of the the woman with the issue of blood. You may or may not have heard this story, but I, when I was preparing this sermon and I was reading this scripture, God, like, I, I started to see it in a different light because of what God has been doing in my heart. Let's turn to Luke 8, verse 40. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So a little bit about the woman who had an issue with blood. Uh, Basically, she was on an ongoing issue of her menstrual cycle, which meant she was unclean. Because according to the law, that when that happens, you have to separate yourself until that stops and then wait a little bit longer for the the cleansing portion of it, and then you're good to go to be around other people. But if you think about it, this woman was constantly bleeding, which meant she had no time to quarantine, to be cleansed, which meant for 12 years, she was unclean. And for 12 years, that meant nobody could be around her. And for 12 years, that meant she had to do everything on her own. And for 12 years, that meant no real relationships with other people. And the thing is, like, when people are, when, when, she, when someone is unclean, they have to shout, unclean. She has to tell people, I'm unclean. So people knew, and people associated her as the woman that is unclean. And when I was reading this, I always thought the woman represented us wanting to touch Jesus. And yes, that is a portion of it where it's like we have to go fight through the crowd because even when life gets hard, you could touch Jesus and you could encounter Jesus. But God flipped it on its head and told me, hey, I want you to see this woman like the lost people around you. Okay, and I'm like, all right, like she is desperate for something. She's been dealing with something for 12 years. She doesn't know what she needs, but she could encounter Jesus. So if we start seeing the people around us in that, in that light, it's like, oh my gosh, like this makes a lot more sense why we need to reach the lost. So what do we need to do according to what, what we could see here by observation of the scripture? Like what can we see 
what Jesus was doing here. Three points for you. And I'm just going to quickly jump through it. Number one, we need to slow down and be aware. We are always on the go. Here in Atlanta, we are always on the go, on traffic, you know, zipping back and forth, going to the store, goodbye, getting our stuff, you know, DoorDash, whatever it is. We are always on the go and ready to go on to the next thing. And we always think we are the busiest person in the room, right? But here's the thing, you're not. So anyways, when we are aware of who's in our life, the people around you, you know, they start to not become obstacles that you need to overcome, but they become souls that have been placed in your life. And I'm not saying this to, to point the finger or to condemn, but when was the last time you really slowed down and look at the people in your life to be like, this is a soul that is in my life. It's not just my life is over here and people just so happen to like flutter around it. It's no, it's like they are, th- this person is in my life. You are part of my life. If we start to see people as part of our life, friends just don't have to be part of your life. Your family is just not the only thing part of your life. The person that is fixing your car could be part of your life. The person that you are getting a haircut from could be part of your life. The the person checking your groceries out could be part of your life. But if you see them as part of your life, that's when things could change. We need to be aware. We need to slow down. Like people, slow down. Like Jesus walked a lot. That's what I, I, in a lot of places in scripture, he says he walked. You know, he was walking. That guy likes to walk. And he, he, I really do think, like, I've learned from Pastor Dale even, like, he, he said that, like, Jesus was walking because, you know, he was, he was being aware of the moment. You know, like, I just think, like, it's versus, okay, think of it like you're driving in the car. It's hard to see what's happening here. But when you're actually walking, you get to see what's happening around you. So we need to be people who slow down, be aware, and walk, you know? And here's an example. Having kids in my life is part of my life, right? Getting their energy out is part of my life, you know? It's the name of the game. If you're not parents, that's the name of the game. You actually get your kids to the park so they could go to nap, and so you could get to do whatever you need to do. You know, that's basically what it is, right? So having kids is part of my life. So if I, as a parent, know that... I want to bless my kids and bring them to the park or bring them somewhere to, to go and have their energy out. That's part of my life, right? And so, for example, we went to Crayon Panda. It is an indoor playground that is in Cartersville. And um, we went on a Monday, which is like, oh, yay, no one's really going to be here. And nobody really was there. It was just us. And then this, this dad with two kids walks in. And, you know, it's like, okay, I noticed that two dads with kids walk in. And it could have just ended right there. But in my spirit, God was just, like, luring me into, like, having this conversation with him. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, sometimes I just, you know, like, when you go out and you just want to focus on your kids and you're just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just, like, put my schedule down, Lord, because, you know, you're telling me to, but which we should. Anyways, like, I was able to communicate with this guy. We're talking. And... Long story short, I've been meeting up with this guy. Like, he, he, he would join us in things that we're doing. He invited us to his family's, like, birthday party, to a kid thing. Uh, and, and this guy, like, started to open up about the things that he was struggling with. And it was just realizing, okay, this guy is in my life now. 
And I, I want to be intentional with him, but it would never have happened if I didn't slow down and be aware of who was around me. And if I only thought of my own bubble of my family and be like, kids are good, my wife is there, okay, we're good, okay, next is lunch, and that's all I'm focused on, and jet, bye, you know. We miss what is really happening around us. And Jesus, just like the woman that with the issue of blood, she was just a face in the crowd. But Jesus was intentional to slow down and stop when something happened. When he felt the healing power, he could have just kept moving and be like, I'm glad you got healed. I have something to do, you know. But he stopped and he looked for her and he engaged with her. We're going to go through that a little bit more. Number two. So the first one is slow down and be aware. Number two is compassion over convenience. In order for us to do this, we need to be more compassionate to souls than convenient for ourselves. Jesus was always moved with compassion. I think that's why he kind of got this. He understood that the key to souls were having compassion, you know? He also never took the convenient route. Just so you know, the Samaritan woman, you know, he did not have to go all the way over there to go to the well and interact with somebody that was unheard of to be interacting with a Samaritan, but he took it, you know? When you are moved with convenience, you'll do what's best for you. But when you're moved with compassion, you'll do what's best for the lost. You'll do what's best for other people. How, okay, reflection time. Let's just make sure. Check your heart, and I've been checking my heart too, how many times I've chosen convenience. Like, for reals, dude. Like, I'm like, I just, I, I, I would rather just focus on my family and my kids and do this. And, and it's convenient, quick, done. You know? Oh, I don't need to build that relationship. I don't need to do this or go to that, that store. I'll just go here. I'll just do it on Instacart. Whatever. Convenience. Convenience is not bad. But when it comes to the kingdom of God and we choose convenience over compassion, that's when things get a little hazy. You know? Like, it, it's, it's just not good. So when you're moved with convenience, you'll do what's best for you. But when you're moved with compassion, you'll do what's best for the lost. You will go out of your way for someone to get another glimpse of Jesus. It's one thing where you're like, you interact with someone. Sometimes I think evangelism, some, I've always had this perspective that evangelism is always like, I'm going to see someone. I'm just going to tell them the gospel, tell them to repent and deuces, bye. But Part of evangelism is like the inconvenience of constantly going for the compassion, like the compassion in your heart for this person. Sometimes people will not get it the first round, which is all the more reason why you have to invest in people and go out of your way. I want to tell you another story. I've been like one of the things that is part of my life is my haircut. Okay. And I, I, I go to the barber shop twice a month. Okay. And I do that, it, it's, I do it because I, I, I want my hair to look clean. I care about my hair, okay? There's nothing bad about that, just so you know. But, like, I, look, I want it to look crisp, and I want to at least look presentable when I'm doing, like, leading worship or, or preaching on stage or anything like that. So getting a haircut is part of my life, okay? Just so you know. Like, that's part of my life. But when I started to realize and shift my perspective, like, I'm getting a haircut, but I'm getting a haircut by someone. I'm getting a haircut by a soul, so I have a barber who I've been going to for the past three years. They've moved a couple times, and I just followed where they would go. 
because it wasn't because I think they're the best barber, which she is pretty good, but I, 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 but she's like, I'm going because the Lord has told me I need to pursue this person, this soul. So a little bit about this person. This person's name is JC. She's a lesbian. She's married. And I think it's important to say that because sometimes when we see where sin is, we freak out as Christians, you know? I just want to say this, like, I am not, like, God has created man and woman, right? And, and, and the, whole, the, the holiness of marriage is only between a man and a woman. And I, and I 100% believe that and push that. But I felt in my heart that I need to not push this person away just because she's a lesbian, and it is my duty to take responsibility to be like, I'm going to just keep going. And, and long story short, we've had so many conversations about the cross, about sin. And I know there is something that, is, that she's hungry for. And I don't want to give that up. Because it's inconvenient for me to stop. You know, I, I'm breaking bank because I'm going to this haircut place because that's a lot of money, you know, twice a month. Are you kidding? But the soul is worth it. The soul is worth it. And I just, I want to encourage you. Like, we need to, we need to see people as worth it. That it's compassion versus convenience. And I know one day she is going to receive the gospel. I don't care what she thinks or what the, that community thinks, but God loves them. God loves her. And there is nothing that, uh, there's no sin that God cannot handle. You know, there is no bondage that God cannot handle. And I am just ready to see that happen. But it is not my responsibility to change her. It is my responsibility for her to engage with the gospel. And so I choose compassion over convenience. And so that's why I'm going and wanting to see her encounter the Lord. Convenience is momentary. Compassion is eternal. And the last one is prioritize people over the destination. Look, we have somewhere to go. Everybody has goals whether you're trying to graduate college or you're trying to graduate high school and you want to get good grades, whether you're just going to work or trying to get that, that position, whether you're just accomplishing your schedule or letting your kids go play at the park to get energy out, whether you're just working out to get healthy, whether you're, you're getting your morning coffee or doing church or building your ministry or just wanting to be a leader or wanting to be a pastor or wanting to preach, no matter what it is, that's our destination. But we never prioritize our destination over the people in our life. There is a difference between who's on your path versus who is in your way. Okay. <laughs> there is a difference between who's on your path and who's in your way. All I'm doing is I want to graduate high school. I want to graduate college. Oh, I can't meet up with that person because I have to study, 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 study. That is not bad. But when you prioritize that over the people around you. All I, all I have to do is go home and make sure like all of this is done. I'm not going to stop and interact with other people. I'm not going to veer off of my schedule away or whatever. And, and because it's inconvenient for me, it's going to ruin our schedule. It's going to ruin my kid's schedule. I'm going to be a horrible parent. Ah, you know, like these the things are things I think about, but it's like, what's more important? Yes, your child's important, but when you minister with them in your life where you're at, you have no idea what kind of kingdom impact you do for your children and those around you. 
If we are too eager to go to Jairus' house, we will not be willing to stop in the crowd to encounter the woman with constant bleeding. We will be fixated on the path to the house, which was the destination, and miss what was on the path. Jesus had a, had a destination. Jairus was first in line, just so you know. And he's like, Jesus, my daughter is pretty much dying here. And so he's like going. He could have totally, again, oh, you're healed? Cool, bye. You know, I got somewhere to go. But he took his time. He stopped. So before we end here, I just want to show you this clip. It's from The Chosen. Whether you like The Chosen or not, that's not the point. But this is just about helping you understand this perspective. I really do like this scene because it helps me understand a little bit more for my heart, of God's heart, towards the lost. So whenever we are ready, hit it. Let us pray, please. Step back, I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. Give us some space. Give us some space. Give back. Simon's house. We need to get through. Come back. Come back. Our rabbi has a pressing down. It's your rabbi. Stay here. Our rabbi has a pressing matter ahead. I promise you will come back. Stay back, everyone. Our rabbi has a pressing matter ahead. Please, please. No, no, no. Please, no. No, no. Hundred. Hundred.
Tran. What's wrong? Who touched me? Everybody back. Back, back. I asked the question. Who touched me? Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward. Teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. And I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood has ceased. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long. We can take her. She is clean. So we could, Jordan, if you want to come on up. There are people all around us that are desperate for something. Just like the woman with constant bleeding, she was desperate for healing. There are people who are desperate for things. They are hungry for something, thirsty, imprisoned, sick. What they don't know what they're looking for, but they're looking for Jesus. They're looking for an encounter with Jesus. 
They may be looking for a particular thing, but just like the woman was looking for healing, Jesus gave so much more. I just want to talk about that a little bit and we're going to respond here. But after she was healed, he brought so many things to her. Number one, he said, daughter, he brought identity to her. Where she was called unclean the, whole, the rest of her, like for 12 years, he said, daughter, you know? He, he brought revelation to her because he said it was your faith. She realized it wasn't just that fringe. It wasn't just the clothes. It was the faith I had in Jesus that I could be healed. He brought healing because he said that it, he, she has been made well. And then he brought peace when, she, when he said to go into peace because 12 years of being under the identity of unclean, knowing that you're not going to have anyone else in your life, knowing that you have nothing else because other places it said that she has given up all her money for doctors to fix her and it did not fix her. So she was poor. She had nothing. But God gave her peace to continue and to live. And for me, this really puts me into the right perspective because for 12 years, this woman was unclean. But before Jesus, I was unclean. And I was without identity. I was without freedom. I was without truth in my life. And I want you to really think about that yourself. If you start to think of what it was like, if you, you, you understand that there are people like this woman who are bound up, who have nothing else, who have no one. And if we put ourselves in that position that before Jesus, I was so unclean, I felt so unclean. I embraced insecurities, I embraced lies about myself. I lived ways God didn't want me to live. And I, and I realized without Jesus, I, I had nothing else. You never know whose hearts are ready for Jesus. Of all people, he stopped for this woman. Her heart was ready to receive. Her heart was ready to receive more than just healing. There are people around you. There are coworkers, there are friends, there are classmates. There are even people who make your coffee, who cook your food, who serve you. That if you are aware if you slow down and aware of who's around you. You know, I think of the time, I think of someone here at church. I think of uh, Bernice when she has told me the story. I remember in ELS, she told me this woman that she was reaching out to. Um, and it's it just is inspiring because she's been coming to church after years of pursuing her. And I remember Benisa asked me, like, what do I do? Like, do I need to move on to someone else? But she didn't stop. And, that's, and then before she even came to church, I, I heard stories. I saw her at Sam's with her once, doing life with her. This is what it looks like, church, when you slow down and, and choose compassion over convenience. When you, when you look at the people around you and you see them as souls and not just as people who fill your space. These people, just like you, need Jesus. And if we want to see revival happen, you know, we've been hearing the move of God in places like Kentucky and even close to here. 
And God, God doesn't just want to move there. He wants to move here. Church, we don't necessarily need a revival. We need an awakening. The lost need revival because they're the ones that are dead. If you have claimed yourself as a follower of Christ, filled with God, filled with the Holy Spirit, you have life. But what we need is an awakening. Church, we need to get out of our life and realize that, sounds silly, but it really is like YOLO. You only live once. People only live once. And you never know. The time is running out, people. And I want today to respond to this message. But if you, we can't give to people around us what we don't have ourselves. If you have never encountered God as your Lord and Savior, God is just not, it's not just for you to feel better about yourself. It's not about like having a start over, even though it is. It's about being in relationship with Jesus. It's about God changing your heart. And and God, if you have never encountered God and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it starts there. If you want to see revival, if you yourself want to be revived, it starts with receiving the Lord into your heart. It starts with dying to yourself, repenting of your sins, turning away from this world and everything of this world and turning to Jesus and knowing that Jesus has everything that you will ever need. So at this moment, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. If this is you, if you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you realize that I am not close to God, I am literally away from the Lord. I do not have an active relationship with God. I am not spending time with him. I am not allowing him into my heart. I am not changing. We need you, Jesus. If that's you, if you realize what Jesus has done for you on the cross. He shed his blood that was supposed to be us shedding our own, taking the cross ourselves. but Jesus so graciously decided to take our place. Lord, thank you. If that's you, if you are here and realize that you are, you are away from God because of sin in our lives, that we have not repented, we have not turned away. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to change my life. I want to receive the Lord today. I want to accept Jesus into my heart. And if that's not you, we're just going to move on to the next thing. If we all here have decided that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, I want us to respond to this message you're here and you need an awakening in your heart to be aware of the people around you. If we want to see God move powerfully in this generation, we need to be people who are awakened, people whose hearts see the souls around us, people who are selfless, who die to themselves. Why don't we all stand as the worship team comes up, but let's just continue to just close our eyes today.
if you're here and you need to slow down and become aware of people around you, if you look at your life and you can't even remember a time where you've actually slowed down and stopped and, and talked to someone and ministered to someone and brought them into your life and you want to respond to that, whether you're here and you choose convenience over compassion, that, that people are just an inconvenience in your life, not that, we're, that, that you're necessarily saying that, but you're choosing the easier route and you, you're not allowing compassion to take over. And whether we are prioritizing destination over people, we have somewhere to go, but we are forgetting that there are people in our life I want us just to open this altar. No one's gonna pray for you right now, but if you are here and you want an awakening in your heart, I want you to open, I'm, uh, this altar is open. We're just gonna worship the Lord. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.